You're listening to Pioneers Powered by Westgrow, a show featuring Cape Town and the Western Cape's leading tech innovators and entrepreneurs and the stories behind their company's evolution and impact. I'm Wendy Fulyun, and on today's episode, we have Lou Crowley, founder of Trackosaurus, as featured in edition six of the popular Pioneers publication, talking to us about the gamified formative assessment tool that enables the concept of teaching to the level of the child and how you are propelling South Africa's education narrative into the future. Luke, thank you for tuning in. Wesker is the official tourism, trade and investment promotion agency for Cape Town and the Western Cape, South Africa. Thanks for having me, Wendy. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. Luke, why don't you tell us about Trackosaurus and what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So Trackosaurus was launched just before the pandemic, um, which posed a few challenges, as you might expect. Um, but yeah, we, we're a you know, our, our bread and butter is doing formative assessment and trying to do it better. So what is formative assessment? Formative assessment is assessment that happens in the classroom for the benefit of teachers. So this is an assessment that gets bundled up and sent to policymakers. That's, that's also important assessment. But what we do is really meant to help teachers in the moment respond to the, the immediate needs of kids. That's good. That's amazing. So when we talk about kids, we're talking about primary school, high schools. What is the reach? Great question. So we classify ourselves as early um, foundation phase. Um, what that means is effectively grade R for now, but we hope to scale up to grades one and two eventually and also dip down to pre-grade R. Okay. So what has sparked the creation of Trackosaurus? Like where has it all started? Yeah, sure. So you know, currently in South African classrooms, but also you can hear my accent, it's mm. an American accent. <laughs> this is a challenge that we also have in other countries. Assessment practices um, aren't really responding to the needs of teachers. So currently you find that in classrooms, um, there's this, you know, um, a norm of observational assessment. So, so teachers are meant to have a little paper and pencil rubric um, or checklist, and they go around and they are meant to observationally assess, you know, all the kids in the classroom multiple times per term. In classrooms such as ours here in South Africa that, you know, often are overcrowded, this can be a huge burden on teachers. And what, what ends up happening is that the teachers don't quite find the time to do these observational assessments with high fidelity or, you know, like they, they, they make the time, but something else has to give. So we've tried to pioneer different, I guess you'd say, modalities of assessment that make it easier for teachers to fit in this formative assessment to their busy daily schedules. So it was really trying to respond to the needs of classrooms here in South Africa, but, you know, common challenges that you see all over the world, basically overcrowded classrooms. Yes. And what, what is done with the results of those assessments, those formative assessments? Yeah. So, so again, these are supposed to be um, like tools that help teachers in the moment respond to kids' needs. And I'd say that like where we're hoping to make the biggest impact is on kids who are at the lower end of the distribution. So kids that are struggling with one or more of their foundational skills. We're trying to give teachers like an early warning flag that, hey, this child's struggling Here's exactly where they're struggling. And then really turn it over to them to figure out like the best remediation strategy. Is that the teacher working one-on-one with the kid during you know, opportune times in the school day? Is it the teacher making um, this information available to parents or, or caregivers so that the caregivers can respond? 
teachers have a lot of tools in their toolbox, so we don't try and prescribe too much how they yes. respond to the information, although we do a little bit of that. Um, we're, just, we're just trying to give them that information as specifically, accurately as possible, and as timely as a fashion as pop- possible. That's great. So talking about tools for teachers, I'm sure that they've got a lot of stuff on their plates, right? And I don't think we need to be adding more to it. So how does Trachosaurus um, assist teachers and not add to their workload? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, that's the, the highest level concern, right? Mm. <laughs> you're not going to get very far if you're just making life more difficult for teachers. Yes. So Currently, in in South African public schools, there is a requirement that teachers do these assessments, right? So we are, in in some ways, just trying to substitute out, you know, kind of like an older-fashioned version of assessment for a tech-enabled solution. A more innovative way of doing it. Yeah. And at the same time, we've recently um, linked up, Trachosaurus has recently linked up with a couple of the you know, most well-established activity providers. So these are organizations that have been operating in the the Gradar space in South Africa for for years, if not decades, um, and fine-tuning their um, teacher support in terms of which activities the teachers teach on a daily basis. So we are trying to, you know, take these disparate programs. We've got Trachosaurus doing an assessment, and we've got you know, this um, R-Mass program teaching great R-Mass. And then we've got WordWorks' stellar program teaching home language and emergent literacy. And we're trying to bundle them all together and, and make them speak to one another so that teachers just have one, like they can sort of think of it as one tool or one port of entry into this most multifaceted, um, you know, educational tool. Mm-hmm. And makes assessment more efficient instead of adding time and, and effort and administrative tasks to it and making it more efficient, right? Yeah, exactly. And you also don't want to, you know, have one tool be on a tablet and then require the teacher to, you know, um, move over to another tablet or over to their phone or over to, you know, a workbook. So we're, we're trying to consolidate the, the, the technology, so to speak, so that it's all at their fingertips, like in one spot, both the assessment side of thing and the teaching side of thing. That, that is amazing. So why South Africa? Why Cape Town? So you are rooted right here. T- tell us what led you here and, and why? Yeah, so what brought me to Cape Town? So initially, I was working with the University of Cape Town and some American universities doing impact evaluations of social programs, um, covering education, but also M-Health, natural resource management, microcredit, trying to figure out which programs that aim to benefit poor people, largely, um, were most impactful and which ones weren't as impactful as we'd hoped and, and, and thus shouldn't maybe be supported in their current state. So as I was doing this, um, I got particularly interested in early education, the early education space. And at some point, um, for me, it was after 10 years of evaluating other folks' programs, I thought, geez, let me take a a bash at this and maybe create a program of my own. And here in Cape Town, I mean, I, I guess you guys are well aware of this, hosting this podcast, but there's this great ecosystem of of you know support for ed tech startups. So at the time that I was considering switching from the researcher side of things to the practitioner side of things, they had just launched the um, Ingenie ed tech um, like incubation program, and I was 
fortunate enough to, or Trachosaurus was fortunate enough to be part of cohort one of that program. And from there, it's just gone from strength to strength. We work closely in, um, you know, one of our shareholders is the Innovation Edge, which is also a small fund that focuses on innovation in the, um, you know, early education space. Um, they're a spin out of DG Murray Trust. And so basically everywhere you turn in Cape Town, there are these different um, programs and funders who, who are really, um, you know, happy to support innovative ideas in the ed tech space. And specifically for us, the early ed tech space. And yeah, you're, it's targeting definitely a niche market. It's the preschool education market, right? Um, and there's nothing more important than cultivating the potential of young minds. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, just I, I have quite a, with the 10 years of doing hardcore research for these these universities, the way that my mind works is, you know, for me personally, I don't want to start an intervention in high school and then find out that, you know, we're, we're starting on the back foot because the kids arrive in high school with a, a learning deficit that's too difficult to overcome. Likewise, I don't want to start in middle school. So I, I keep unwinding it back. And I, I, I personally landed up in early education space. And I guess a lot of folks would probably argue I could work in the like neonatal space or something like that. But, but you know, grade R in the, the early foundation phase works well for us. Yes. And I hear you talking about the deficits and the challenges. Um, you guys were established right before COVID hit. Why don't you tell us a bit about some of the most valuable lessons you've learned over this period? Yeah, so for us, you know, we've we've been fortunate enough to to link up with a lot of great researchers and a lot of great funders and these incubation programs and so forth. For us, like the the biggest challenge is just getting into classrooms. So you know, it's um, we're quite ambitious in terms of you know what we're trying to accomplish and our you know um, our customer approach has always been to roll out. At, at scale. Mm -hmm. So for us, we had all these grand ideas of just, okay, let's find a few provinces and let's, as soon as this thing is in its, you know, minimum viable state, let's roll these out provincially and just get cooking. And unfortunately for us, COVID hit and the, you know, e-learning departments within provinces, as you can imagine, if, if you remember, were quite consumed with like other things, uh, fair enough. So we, you know, we spent probably more time than we anticipated sort of in our piloting phase, but we're, we're finally back on track and we've got a large scale pilot um, that's actually rolling out in Mpumalanga at the very beginning of next year, which we're very excited about. So that, that sort of province-wide vision that we had anticipated, you know, happening back in 2020, <laughs> took a few years to get there, but I think we're on track to make it happen. Yeah, so being across provinces, um, share with us some of your, your, your reach, the impact you have, um, statistics around what it is you've been able to, to achieve. Yeah, so, so, so far we've been working with clusters of schools in um, the Western Cape, in Gauteng, and in Pumalanga. From next year, the idea is to roll out this program, which I mentioned is the combination of Trachosaurus's assessment component and then the mass activities and the home language and literacy activities of two partner programs. So we're, we're looking to bundle that and then roll out this kind of amalgamated program for the first time. Um, and if all goes according to plan, the idea is to then scale up provincially there. Um, as soon as we have that program looking good, the idea is to then kind of take a step back and hopefully pitch this program 
to the provinces where that math program and that home language program are already up and running. So th those folks are already up and running successfully in the Western Cape. And the idea would be to pitch to the province, hey, why don't we bolt on this assessment component that works so nicely with these math activities and these, these home language and early literacy activities. And talking about those programs and your offerings, you've got Dog Maths, Life Explorer, Mouth Be Mouse Beats. Sorry about that. Um, which one is your personal favorite? I'm sure that the, out of all of that, there must be one that you cling to. And why is that? Yeah, so I actually have a two-year-old at this point, <laughs> um, and she's a little early to be to be using these games. But we have one that's called Life Explorer, which you know the it's. It's, it's a game that doesn't have specific um, levels or like, you know, there's a goal in mind. It's more, as the name implies, just sort of about like freely roaming around the space. And we use that game as um, a vocabulary game um, and also to, to assess kids' understanding of directionality like, um, and position in front of, behind, to the left, to the right, that sort of thing. And for my daughter and her, you know, current level of skill set, just being able to interact with these characters in these like kind of exotic or fun spaces. One's a grocery store, another is like the planet um, Mars, and you know, another one is um, Fairyland with a bunch of pixies and dragons and that sort of thing. I just, you know, love seeing it through her eyes and we spend a lot of time on that one at the moment. That's great. Uh, it's nice to hear how even you and your own family are enjoying the technology. Um, things are changing. We are exposed to different innovations, uh, different technologies. Um, if you think of immersive experiences, um, artificial intelligence, um, is how is that um, going to be integrated into what's next for Trachosaurus. Mm -hmm. Have you looked at um, integrating these new immersive technologies to elevate um, the programs that's already running successfully? Yeah, great question. So again, like we are trying to complement like the, the way things are currently done with just like, you know, putting things on a digital medium. So, so currently teachers are doing these observational assessments. We're looking to do those observational assessments more effectively, but then we bolt on these game-based assessments, which we think the learners will enjoy and will save teachers time. And as of either the end of this year or beginning of next year, we're actually looking to start capture, capturing some of the children's speech data um, and, and using AI to interpret that. So we've linked up with some really cool researchers at Stellenbosch University who have some experience analyzing speech data and what they say, what they call, um, or the industry terms, low resource languages. So languages that don't have like a lot of online presence, let's so, to, so to speak. Um, and they, they have really clever techniques for still enabling us to interpret kids' speech data, even if it's in Saswati or, you know, one of the, the local languages. So we're, we're, you know, we've got some ideas in place um, to create some new games that, looks to, that look to capture children's speech data and then interpret that data um, for assessment purposes. And, and I mean, that's about as as far as I know, about as cutting edge as it gets, so we're very excited about that. Good. That's something to look forward to. You've mentioned now um, different languages, official languages. Um, it brings me back to the question around accessibility. Um, how accessible is it in its current format? And not just from a language point of view, um, but in terms of making sure that it any learner within the ECD or early child development phase 
will be able to integrate and u- effectively use the system. Because, yeah. yes, the teachers will be um, looking at the assessments, conducting the assessments, but essentially it's the, the learners, the students, that are going to be um, working with this technology. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's a great question. And, I mean, I probably should have said this at the outset, but our, our tool is a little... Um, it's a little um, unique in the sense that it's both teacher-facing, like mm-hmm. the teachers, there's a part of the app that, that is teacher-facing where they look at the results of the assessment and queue up the next assessments. And then you flip the screen around and it's also child-facing. So the children are literally playing these assessment games um, and they're literally going to be in the future um, playing games that capture their speech speech data as well. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting tool in that it, it faces both directions. Um, to to translate it into the different languages is actually relatively not that difficult for us just because we've tried to minimize the language dependency in our games. Now, here I'm I'm mostly speaking about the math games. Obviously, the language and literacy games are a little different. Um, But in terms of the math games, we really try and make the games themselves as intuitive as possible for little kids so that there's, you know, um, there's... There's not this, you know how it is like with a with a game that says, do this, now do mm, this. That's reliance not a, on instruction. Yeah, it's not a well-designed mm. game. So mm. if we can minimize that and also, you know, um, allow our tool to operate in a noisy, overcrowded classroom where maybe the headphones aren't working like they're supposed to be working or some, some other challenges is presented, then that's first prize for us. Um, but the other way that, you know, we are trying to make this as accessible as possible is really trying to scaffold the games in a way that's conducive to kids that don't have a lot of prior touchscreen, you know, exposure. So, um, we've tried to scaffold the games literally where the first maybe two times they play a game, we're not really taking any data points. We're not trying to assess a kid's proficiency in any particular skill. We're just trying to get the kid familiar with like the quote unquote rules of that game and what they're meant to be doing and not, you know, overcome any fears or anxieties they may have around engaging with a tablet. So, you know, that's, I think, even more so for the language than the language for us, like a, a really important thing, um, because we, we work in all sorts of schools, both urban, peri-urban, rural. And, you know, there are a lot of kids that just haven't had prior exposure to mm. touchscreens at this point. That's right. So you're dealing with someone that has either limited exposure or experience to no exposure. So that um, intuition of how to use the system is, is, is quite important, especially because you're dealing with younger children, right? It sounds like you're already making headway and it's great. Um, if I think back, that is something I would have loved for my children to engage with. Um, instead of watching, uh, lots of different programs on TV to keep them sometimes occupied. Um, but just on that note, um, tell me, what are your biggest accomplishments this far? What makes this worth the effort, the investment, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into to Trachosaurus? Yeah, here I'll be careful. So again, if I, if you recall, my background is in doing impact evaluation. So I don't want to overstate anything <laughs> or, or claim anything that we can't prove through like causal inference at this point. Yes. Um, so all of this is sort of, you know, um, anecdotal or qualitative at this point. So when we get through this large-scale pilot in Mpumalanga, we'll have the data to say this is our impact. Like we're setting up, you know, that pilot in such a way that we will be able to measure the impact of our program reliably. Um, but so far, you know, we're just really proud of what we 
we see qualitatively is the time-saving investment for teachers. So teachers that do get on board with this program in the you know, handful of classrooms where we've been working for the last couple of years, they, we do see a reduction in, in the amount of time that they need to spend observationally assessing kids and, and you know, going around with their checklists and rubrics and, and um, you know, not focusing on the learning while they're doing that of the other kids in the classroom. So we do see this time saving for, for, for teachers. And we have found that, you know, kids enjoy these games. We, we set out to make games that aren't some sort of lame gamification of like a, uh, you know, a rote assessment task. We are actually trying to design really fun games that keep a kid's attention. And so far, at least in the, you know, um, qualitative testing that we've done, we do seem to be keeping kids' attention for the prescribed amount of time, which for us is, was like the, the biggest unknown. It was, you know, we, we figured we could solve all the other educational and techno- technological challenges, but actually keeping a kid's attention focused on a tablet for like the 25 minutes it takes, if, if you've had any young kids, like that is a huge challenge. So, so far we seem to be getting that right, which, which is gratifying. Uh, when do you foresee the pilot um, finishing so that you are able to look at that data and that impact? Yeah, so I think the idea is to roll out to those 20 schools and plus minus 1,000 learners for you know the majority of 2024. And then at the end of 2024, um, the information or the feedback we've been getting from the department is if everything looks good, They'd like to scale up. Um, and, you know, for us, we're hoping that that scale up is, is quick and, and province wide, but we'll kind of take it as it comes from the department, follow their lead on that. With a strong focus on um, usability of your games and how the children interact with it, I um, wanted to ask, is the uni- user interface and the unit experience uh, team based here in the Western Cape? Do you have it in-house? Um, what's the brilliance behind this? Yeah, great question. So we've been, again, I spent a decade working at UCT and had no idea of sort of some of these niche industries that are available in the Western Cape. But I, I quickly learned as we were launching Trackasaurus that there's this amazing animation and game development community here in the Western Cape. Um, and we were originally housed at the Woodstock Exchange and right down the road was the animation school and we sort of formed this pipeline where we at some point were hiring quite a quite a number of um, animators, modelers, riggers, game developers, sound engineers coming right out of you know these local programs. Um, All here in Cape Town. Yeah at, at some point I think every single one of our creative staff and we had about nine of them were from Cape Town, save for one guy who is originally from the Eastern Cape and, and trained there. So it was, it's, it's really, I mean, I didn't know this. We kind of conceived of doing game-based um, assessment, that there was this local community of, of these type of creatives, but, you know, um, they exist. And I will say now having, you know, expanded the team in, in um, little bits and pieces to bring in one or two animators from overseas, our local folks, they, they, they stack up, they compare, um, and they, they are every bit as talented as, as the folks that we work with overseas as well. That's amazing. If you had to sum up or give me an elevator pitch of what Trachosaurus is, what would you say? Sure. So we are trying to make teachers' lives easier by introducing formative assessment tools to the classroom that actually respond to their needs and the needs of their kids. 
So we're trying to make assessment more reliable and actionable for them. Um, well, thank you, Luke, for sharing uh, what Trachosaurus does and, and the essence behind growing the beautiful young minds we have, especially here in South Africa. I look forward to bumping into you in five years' time and hearing all about your broader reach and what you were able to achieve. Thanks, Wendy. It's been great. 